This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. This is Pastor Callie Hargraves here with Warrior Watch. I hope you're having a wonderful Wednesday. We are picking back up with Frida C. White on A Woman God Can Use. And we didn't get to finish about Madame Booyah last week. So she's going to start it, and we're going to go on and talk more about that. And I just hope that you're enjoying this as much as I am. Thank you, Callie. It's wonderful to be back with you again. Yes. I tell you, the... This book is a reference book. Yes, it is. It's a, a historical account of so many women yes. that God used in the Bible Yes, and throughout history. And we need to know about history. Yes, we do. We don't um, need to take it lightly, the price That's that women paid. paid so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have today. Yes. And so this woman that we're dealing with today uh, was in France in the 1600s. No conveniences, no rights as we know them in America. Right. Um, Her husband is a a man that's considerably older. He was 38 and she was 15, so 23 years older than her. Right. And then his mother, at another 20 years to that, uh, older. uh, And she lives in the home and she is hateful to her. And so she was... um, as a beautiful young woman, she really thought she was pretty. Um, but then she had smallpox when she was 22. And in that time, uh, it could have been deadly. Right. Because the virus was, was huge. And um, her husband and her mother-in-law refused to offer her any medical aid. And she suffered with the fevers and the pains. She thought she was dying. Wow. And her beauty was destroyed, is what she said. And it's remarkable that she just grasped the peace of God during this time. And she was um, walking over to the um, church, to Notre Dame Church in Paris, when a poor man in religious garb came along beside her, and he seemed to know everything about her. And so she said that the Spirit of God bore witness to what he said, And she said, I'd never seen him before. I never saw him again. But his words penetrated my soul. And she was able to have that uh, peace that God would take care of her. Wow. So she gives birth to child after child. But even the mother-in-law would turn the children against her. They would mock her. They would say insulting, mean things to her. Um, Her husband said that you love God more than you love me. Well, (laughs) I wonder why. Right. (laughs) Her only comfort was found in reading her Bible and in reading devotionals because she's living in a life filled with condemnation and judgmental, and it took a toll on her. Her her child dies. uh, Her sister dies. Her mother dies. 
Um, they wouldn't let her go around her biological family, her parents. And so one by one, they began to die. She gives birth to a second son and a daughter. And within a short time, her three-year-old daughter and her father both died. And so the sorrow and grief that would have enveloped her were huge. Wow. Because it's one family member after, after another, another. Right. dying. And they're married 12 years when her husband dies. So he would have been 38 and 12. He would have been 50 when he dies. And then her closest friend dies. And she felt like she was like Job in the Old Testament because she lost so many family members in death. She's a widow at 28 years of age. And I guess mother-in-law is gone too. Um, I'm not sure if mother-in-law has died yet or not when she became a widow. Wow. But the grief was relentless. And she was so devastated. For seven years, she struggled to find her footing. And the losses and the sadness and the despair were more than she could bear. In 1680, a friend came to see her, and they began to fast and pray together. And finally, she had complete peace. And from that time on, her life was marked by great simplicity. And she emerged as a spiritual leader in France. Wow. Now, the, the conditions were harsh. But she could speak to the people because she had lived through hell herself. Right. She, she lived it. She, God had delivered her. Yes, and she had uh, empathy, and they knew that she understood. And so she had overcome much, even though she was a young woman. So she could point the others to a way to have victory in Christ Jesus. And desperate men and women began to come to her because they needed help. And the peace of God drew them wow. to her. Wow. You know, wow. Deborah just sat underneath the palm tree right. and they came to her. Well, Madame Guyon just just stays steady and people just start coming. Wow. And it was word of mouth. Wow. You know, we didn't have Fox News. We didn't have CNN. We didn't have anything in that day except word of mouth. But more and more they came. Finally, the Archbishop, Felion, came to see her. Wow. And he was so impacted by her life of prayer and fasting that he was ministered to. And then he began to tell people about her. And so she begins to, to write things down that the Spirit of God would give to her. And she wrote this in one of her poems. Prayer alone can bring you into his presence and keep you there continually. Wow. Wow. Is that not the truth today? Yes. Yes. Prayer yes. alone wow. can bring you into his presence. Instead of getting on Facebook and telling all your business, <laughs> yes. why don't you go get alone with God? Right. Pour your heart out to the Lord and stay there until you have peace. Until you have an answer. Well, right. and, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's uh, unheard of nowadays. No. So what we have to do is we have to come to the place that we learn from those that walked a more difficult path than we've ever walked. Right, right. She buried child after child, husband, parents, sister, friends, and yet she kept her heart fixed upon God. Now, it's sad that the Roman Catholic Church, the priest and the professors were convicted by her heart for God. 
I guess so. And as a result, they wanted to get rid of her. Oh, Lord. And so she's had enough problems without them jumping on the situation. But pressure is made upon the corrupt King Louis to silence her. And he has her banished to prison. No. Oh, yes, it gets worse. So the religious men of the day were jealous of the influence she had among the general public. She's just a woman just sitting doing, at home, praying, doing her, right, doing praying, God's business. Getting, getting along with God, getting, having the peace of God rule. Individuals come to her. She points them to the Lord. They go out. If you need help, I can tell you where to go. And so it's, it seems like that um, the anointing caused men and women to be drawn to her. And it also, the anointing repelled others from her. And that always happens when the anointing of God comes upon us. And if you're listening and you, you feel like God has anointed you for something, let me give you a word of wisdom. There will be those that will be drawn to you because of the anointing, and there will be others who will be repelled because of the anointing. So this is what happened to her. And um, Matthew 6, 22 says, How favored you become when you're hated, excommunicated, or slandered, or when your name is spoken of as evil because of your love for me, the Son of Man. That's Matthew 6, 22 in the Passion Translation. Right. Don't you love the Passion yes, Translation? Yes. Oh, I'll be so glad when he gets the whole Bible translated. Dr. Simmons is brilliant. Yes. And I quote him a lot in this book because he just really breaks it down like we need to hear it. So she experienced impossible situations, but she just stays in the prayer room. She just stays praising God. And she starts writing her autobiography while she's in prison. Wow. And everything that she had written was sold all over France, throughout Europe, and many started coming to Christ because of her writings. Wow. After eight months in prison, her friends were finally able to secure her release, and then her enemies tried to kill her with poison. And she suffers for seven years from the effects of the prison. In 1695... She's sentenced to prison again by the king, who's motivated by more evil men. Now, they're jealous of this woman's anointing. Wow. So she gets out of prison, they motivate him. It'd be like the president sending you and me to prison. And we get out, and they send us back again. And so, in 1698, she's placed in a dungeon in the Bastille, the historic and dreaded prison of Paris. For four years. Oh, Lord. She endures the dungeon. But you know, she writes this. Her faith was so great that she said it was like living in a palace. Now, only God could give that kind of peace. Yeah, that's Only God. Because you're in a dungeon. Yeah. You have nothing. Nothing. In 1702, she was exiled to western France. And... There became pilgrimages of people throughout Europe, England, and Germany came to see her. So she's, she's in exile, but she's able to live with her remaining son the last 15 years of her life, and she died at age 69. At the end of her life, 
Madame Guyon left 60 volumes of her writings. Wow. 60. I, I cannot wrap my mind around writing 60 books. Volumes. Yeah. But she did. Of course, she had plenty of time to do it, didn't she? Yeah. When you're and in prison. So evidently, this was a son that loved her and treated her right. Yes, yes. And uh, an example of her writings is Spiritual Progress. It's a collection of five daily devotionals written with Francis and Pierre La Filion. She also wrote Method Prayer. If you speak French and you're listening, I'm sorry I'm butchering your language. I don't speak French. She also wrote Method Prayer and On the Way to God, which she shares the importance of prayer. Now, it's interesting to me that here's a woman in France. Years later, men like John Wesley would refer to her writings. Archbishop Felion and other leaders in Europe acknowledged the benefit that her writings were to them. Wow. Like Hulda, many men looked to her for her wisdom and wow. understanding in the ways of God. She just tapped into the power of God. And they were, they were so happy to read it, then they began to spread the word. Yeah. So it's no... Uh, surprised to me that all of these individuals would begin to make pilgrimages to her son's home the last years that she lived when she finally gets out of the dungeon delivered this woman's got the goods oh yeah no doubt no she doubt. had the goods another woman i can't wait to meet you know she's in that great cloud of witnesses oh, for sure cheering us on yeah you know we, we stop and think about that and as i've researched all of these mighty women of God in the Bible and through history. I can just see them in heaven. And we complain about, well, I don't feel good, so I don't think I can make it to church tonight. <laughs> or, we, or we get on Facebook and we whine and complain about some penny anything that means nothing right. in all of eternity. <laughs> yes. And here's women like her that spent four years in the dungeon. Yeah, well, and uh, endured so many catastrophic hardships. That's right. That's and, right. And her love for Jesus just grew and grew and grew. She just fell into the arms of God. Yes, she did. And and she left a trail of writings where others could find out this is the pathway to the Lord. This is why it's so important to not discard the the ancient boundaries, the ancient landmarks that God has set for us in the yes. scripture, but lay a hold of them and bring them into us. So I, I see that great cloud of witnesses yes. with, with all of these mighty women of God. And I think, Lord, help me to be found faithful that I run my race well and that I do what you called me to do and that I don't cast away the, count, the, the um, results of my obedience or disobedience, right. whatever it is, I have to do it. Yeah, we have, have to be to obedient it. to the call of God That's if we right. want to make an impact like these women. A woman God can use. I'm, I'm with Frida C. White today, and we've been, the last few weeks, we've been talking about women in the Bible, uh, how God used them, raised them up against all odds in cultures and societies that did not honor women on any level, and yet they, they, they did the impossible. 
and they walked in supernatural power and favor because they obeyed God and they stayed in his presence. And then we've been correlating this. Frida correlates women in history that followed after the same ancient paths. And you know what? God is raising up women across America. I believe that the great awakening that we are all praying for is going to be led by a great cloud of women. Yes. Of, of, of godly women yes. that are willing to do the private JL work and willing to do the public Deborah work. That's right. That are willing to do whatever God would ask us to do. And really, um, if you're listening today and, and, and you're one of these women that you know you've been called, it's going to take private devotion. Your, your public ministry can never exceed your private ministry. And your private devotion is what's going to give you the power, the anointing, the fortitude, the strength to do what God... Because listen, not all of us are called to a life of ease. That's right. That's right. And even ones that have a life of ease, many times they've been through great trials and great trouble and great perils to do. When you start looking at all the martyrs and everybody in the Bible that we so honor and 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 allow to mentor us and our fathers of faith, most of them suffered great perils, but they allowed those circumstances to drive them deep into a relationship with Jesus, more time in his word, more time in prayer. You know, I, the older I get, Frida, uh, the more I realize that the things that are most important to me are the things of the Spirit. That's right. The Absolutely. things that are most important to me are, is my private time in the morning with Jesus. Yes. When he touches yes. me in such a powerful way and I'm able yes. to enjoy fellowship with my Lord and Savior. The things that are most important to me, uh, Cindy and I were talking about our children. The greatest gift you can give your children yes. is a prayer life. That's right. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to pray for them. Yes. Not nag them, not not try to force them to do anything, but to get on our knees and intercede to to. The God of the universe that can do great exploits on your behalf. And uh, I'm just excited about this book. I really want to encourage every woman to go to Amazon, look up Frida C. White, a woman God can use, and order the book. You can get it, of course, on your iPad. You can get it on your Kindle, or you can get a paperback book. Or you can get both. And maybe some of you would like to use this for a, a, a study. I really believe with all of my heart, I have a strong conviction that this is the day of the godly woman. This That's is the right. day of the Deborahs. That's this right. is the day of the Hannahs. This is the yes. day of the Joan, Joan of Arcs. This yes. is the day that women, God is raising up women to do mighty exploits. Let's go to our next chapter. I will. You know, the, the interesting thing is that only her son survived. So all of her babies were with Jesus. But spiritual children? Oh, my goodness. Multitudes. Wow. And so, you know, when you lose a child in, in uh, death, it's devastating. When you lose more than one child, it's, it's double devastation. Yes. And so she walked that path, but she did not become bitter. She wasn't angry at God. She pressed on. The next lady I would like to talk about is another prophetess in the Bible in the New Testament. Yes. Her name is Anna. Yes. Now, Anna was only married seven years, and she found herself widowed. Wow. And so she could have looked at her misfortune in life and, and said, you know, I don't know why this happened to me. 
and blamed God, but she determined she would just stay in the temple and fast and pray. And she disciplined her body, and God used it. And, you know, she's the perfect example of the widow that's mentioned in Paul's letters in Timothy and Titus. And when Jesus was brought as a baby to the temple, she was the one that was there. Right. You know, our date with destiny may not be in the time zone that we think it ought to be. Yeah. But she was faithful year after year, decade after decade of fasting and praying, staying in the house of the Lord. And as a result, when Jesus came after his uh, birth, she knew immediately he was the redemption of Israel. Wow. And here she is, 84 years old. Wow. She was 84. 84. And she ruled her words well. The, the common denominator I see of all of these women that we've been talking about over the previous weeks, five, six weeks, is that each one of them were able to, in the most horrible circumstances, to rule what came out of their mouth. They took charge of their lives yes. by the words that they spoke. Yes. And they were able to tune in to the Spirit of God. They did not allow their mouths to speak things that were contrary to God's will for their life. So she focused on God. And so she's fasting and praying. And she goes out into all of Jerusalem. Now, I, I guess I have a sanctified imagination because I can just imagine this little 84-year-old lady right. going up and down the streets of Jerusalem, and they're not very wide anyway, telling everybody, he's here. The yeah. redemption of Israel is here. And who did God use to, to put the word out? This little old lady, 84 years old, who had been diligent for year after year after year. And she began to speak. You know, her greatest ministry was not when she was a young married woman, but as a widow. Wow. Many years after her prime. And I think about another lady in history that came to her forefront when she became a widow. Her name was Letty Kalman. Wow, I never heard of her. Oh yeah, you've heard of her, just give me a minute. She, uh, she and her husband, they were, she was born in 1870. Wow. She married Charles Kalman in 1889, and they believed that God called them as missionaries to Japan. So they left the United States in 1901 and went to Japan. And they opened Bible training centers, and they made a lot of strides in the, with the gospel. But Charles began to have chest pains. And Letty watched as her husband began to struggle and his, his health began to fade. And they had been in Japan for 17 years. But it got so bad in 1917, they were forced to come to the United States for him to recover. And after they get home, um, she's looking through books and magazines and anything to have a word of encouragement for her husband. And they pray and they studied the Bible and they believed for health and they believed for wholeness, but he didn't get better. 
As a matter of fact, he got to the place he couldn't even lie in bed. And, and so he had a large chair in their living room of their Los Angeles bungalow. And so she would read to him to bring a word of hope. And, and then he has a stroke. And it paralyzes his right side. And, and all he can do now is pray. So she puts large maps of the world up on the walls. Wow. And he would just sit in his little chair and pray. And she's exhausted taking care of him. And they'd been married 35 years when he died. And she don't know what she's going to do, but she opens his Bible, and his last words to her on a piece of paper were, go on with my unfinished task. Now, she doesn't know how she's going to do that. She's a 54-year-old widow. But she rose to the challenge. And so she began to um, work with the missionary society that they founded. And for the next 24 years, she was the vice president and then the president of the Oriental Missionary Society. And her prayers and leadership kept everybody focused and on target. And whenever she spoke, her words would just motivate people to give everything to the Lord. And their ministry was radio, television, broadcasting, medical assistance, training for national workers and education. Charles could never have imagined how far his Letty would go. Wow. And so she became a prolific author. Now, her words have been an inspiration to countless believers all over the world. But few know the price that she paid. Her book, Streams in the Desert. I've heard of that. I knew you yeah. would. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all she said is written by Mrs. Charles Cowman. Wow. She was a widow. This book, Streams in the Desert, has been translated into more than a dozen languages with over 100 English printings. Sales have topped greater than 3 million copies, but she was just content to be known as Mrs. Charles Cowman. She received the baton her husband handed to her. And she ran her race well. Wow. I believe the saints of old are passing their baton to you and to me. Yes. And they're saying, Callie, Frida, run your race well. Yes. Run your race well. She didn't have any personal ambition. She didn't have a goal to lead a large missionary organization. She just wanted to be his wife. Right. And help him. She didn't plan to be an accomplished author, <laughs> yeah. but her writings would bless multitudes throughout the world. In the midst of her great personal heartache and grief, she rose up to her destiny. 54, you'd think, uh, well, my, I'm middle-aged. I mean, yeah. there's nothing I'm I can do. I'm down here. Yeah, yeah there, there's not much I can do here. But her greatest works were still ahead of her. We're still ahead of her. And so if you're listening today and you think, well, I've already lived my life and there's not much I can do for God, you're underestimating your God because he has much for you to do. She went on and wrote a biography of her husband called Missionary Warrior. And like Anna in the New Testament, her greatest achievements in life came after she became a widow. She wrote seven books before she died at age 90 on Easter Sunday in 1960. 
Wow, she died in 1960. So she is someone that I, I look at and I think, you know, she's just a frumpy little woman, little widow woman. But she was a mighty tool in the hand of the Lord. That's so they, nice. they answered the call from heaven. And the congregations of Israel were willing to be taught by those women in Scripture, whether it was Miriam or Deborah or Huldah or Anna, because it was the anointing right. that set their life apart. It had nothing to do with their personalities or their temperaments or how they looked or they didn't look. It was the anointing right. that was on or their Or their life. gender. <laughs> or their gender, absolutely. Yes. And so under the law, the Old Testament law, uh, there had been a measure of freedom. But how much more freedom will be revealed under the law of love and mercy? Yes. So the prophetic passage of Psalm 68 was fulfilled in part under the Old Testament. Great is that company that, of those women that proclaim the good news. But that's only a part, you see. The Lord gives the word of power. He calls, he anoints, he equips. And the messengers are a part of the female race. Now, the literal translation of this passage in Psalm 68:11 says, by Robert Young, the Lord doth give the same, the female proclaimers are a numerous host. Wow. I like what Robert Young had to say. So the enemy is who? The in, each one of us is the devil. And we see him running in stark terror from women who know the name of Jesus right. in their life. right. Doesn't matter to me whether you're a housewife, a homemaker, and you got your babies all around you. The blood of Jesus is more than enough. Yes. More than enough. The book of Hebrews tells us the difference in the new covenant that God instituted with man. Jesus became the guarantee of a better, stronger agreement, a more excellent and more advantageous covenant in Hebrews 7, 22. And so when I begin to look at this, I think... Okay, God, if you could use women throughout the Old Testament, and Anna was still in the Old Testament sphere as a prophetess, sure. as a leader, as a judge, right. how much more could you use women in this day that would be sensitive to your voice, Lord, and willing to do whatever you call us to yes. do? If you have given us a better covenant, a better testament, that's what New Testament means. So Christ has acquired a priestly ministry which is far superior, more excellent than the old covenant. And he is the mediator yes. of the new covenant because it's on better promises, more excellent promises, nobler promises, the Amplified Bible says. Yes. So what changes would now take place in the lives of women? Is it possible that womankind would be used by the Lord Jesus in a greater degree under the law of love than under the law of legalism under the law of Moses. Uh, yes, and amen. Definitely. But you know, it's somehow that has not computed. Now, there are pockets where women are used today, but it has been few, especially in the United States. Women are used much more overseas than they are in the United States. Really? Absolutely. Over half of the of the house churches in China are led by women. Wow. Pastors. I met one lady uh, about 18 months ago in California that pastors a church of 500,000. 
I can't even wrap my mind around. That is a half a million people led by this little lady that wasn't even five foot tall, but the fire of God was all over wow. her. And she has men galore helping her, but she was the founding pastor and the lead pastor. Wow. So in China, if you told a woman to be silent, you would stop one half of the move of God. Of the move of God, absolutely. Wow. So it is vital that we in America understand what God is wanting to do. He used women in the Old Testament to give counsel, define interpretation of the yes. scripture in Holders, uh, petition the laws of inheritance to be changed. And we, we, in previous broadcasts, we talked about the daughters of Zelophad and, and we compared that to Rosa Parks, right. how she got legislature changed. Accompany generals in the battle, whether it's Deborah or Joan of Arc. Deliver cities and nations from the powers of darkness. Stand in the office of the prophet more than one. No woman, though, was allowed to stand in the office of high priest or approach the altar under the Old Testament. It would take the work of Calvary to bring that to pass. Right. So these women were leaders of men. Uh, they were not known as equal with men. They were not allowed to pray with the men. Uh, they, weren't, uh, they were segregated in certain places in the temple. They weren't allowed to touch the holy things. Now, that seems kind of foolish to us today, but that was reality. So in spite of the cultural mores of the day, God would still anoint a woman here, and he would anoint another woman, and he would anoint another woman. Why? Because he saw what was going on in their heart. Right. He didn't look at their outward appearance. The curse decreed that a man would have authority over his wife. But under the new covenant, we begin to see a change. Legally, women lacked many rights, but God was not happy with it because the new covenant changed it. Roman law said a woman would never go free. Even in the Orient today, a woman is considered one degree lower than the cattle. To the Romans, their women were part of their property to dispose of as they wish. Um, that's why the Jewish woman was treated with more respect than any of the others. Than any of the others. And we know this now with the Muslim women. They're not treated with any respect at all. No. As a matter of fact, they have no rights. Uh, their rights are half of a, of a man, if, if that. And so every Jewish woman looked forward to being a mother because motherhood promoted her to honor and reverence within her home and the community. And the Savior was promised to come through a virgin. Yes. So all Jewish maidens wanted to have a baby. Wanted to have a baby because they knew what the prophetic word said. So we've been laying a foundation these last few weeks of how God could use women in the Old Testament because I want you to see the trail. Yes. Um, the Bible is complete, but we've got to look at the Old Testament yes. and the New Testament. Yes. And there are individuals that have told me, oh, I don't read the Old Testament because I can't get anything out of it. Well, just get my book and that will help you get a good start on the seeing Old right. the Old Testament women that God used. Right. Because he is for us. He's not against us. And he has a plan. So in the fullness of time, the Messiah was born. And the plan of redemption for both men and women was about to be finalized. 
I believe because a woman had the greatest part in the fall of man, she was in turn given the greatest consolation. Yes. The Christ child was born of a woman. Man had no part in the conception of the Holy Child. Always in the things of of the Lord, there is perfect balance. Sure. So Samuel and Deborah were both prophets, both judges, perfect balance there. So as woman was deceived and had the greatest part in the fall of man, so she was given the privilege of bringing forth the man-child, the Lord Jesus, the into the world. The greatest solution to mankind. Yes, yes. So there's the perfect balance that's, that's, that's there. So I, I want us to think about how, how the Lord responded to women. You know, he's our example. He's who we look to. And the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, at all times exemplified the mercy and the kindness of his Father God. Never did he demean women? No. Never did he put them down. Never did he ridicule them or have slurs. The severe plans of Satan had inspired the hatred and the treatment of women, um, but the gentle hand of the Savior would deliver them and bring them forth. Jesus did not entertain the notion that women were inferior or unfit to talk with or about God. In addition, women were allowed to minister to him out of their great love for him. Wow. Women of prominence consistently gave him great substance and provided for the needs of those who accompanied him. Now, the the shadow of this is Abigail. You remember when we talked about Abigail, I don't know how many weeks ago it was, but Abigail was the one that that was married to a foolish man, Nabal, and when he died... She took all of her resources and took them with her to be David's wife. Yeah, so the women of substance have always given to the Lord, whether it was Abigail in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. And so Jesus never prevented women from traveling with him and his disciples. They heard the master teach just like the men. Uh, they followed their redeemer and they gave generously under the dictates of the law. And at all times, Jesus welcomed their company and gave them consolation. Let me read you a passage out of the Passion Translation in the Gospel of Luke. It says, Jesus began a ministry tour throughout the country, visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. Yes. His 12 disciples traveled with him, and also a number of women who'd been healed of many illnesses under his ministry. And set free from demonic power. Jesus had cast seven demons from one woman. Her name was Mary Magdalene, for she was from the village of Magdala. Among the women were Susanna and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, who managed King Herod's household. Many other women who supported Jesus' ministry from their own personal finances also traveled with him. That's Luke 8, 1, 2, and 3. So, if the Lord himself would allow women to be privy to the closeness, yes. then he was not opposed to them being no. apart. George Lamps's commentary on the scriptures and Eastern customs helps us to understand the magnitude of this because he said it's most unusual for a priest or a prophet to speak to a woman in the East now. 
And that certainly was the case in biblical times. Wow. We know that most people regarded Jesus as a prophet. So George Lamps' commentary sheds light on how, I mean, can you imagine how they considered this? Why, it was blaspheming. Why, why is he allowing those women to be with him? Why are they traveling? Because he brought them hope. Now, Jesus didn't have any women disciples among the 12, but he didn't discriminate against them either. He was living in the East, and he had to respect the established customs and manners, but he departed from the customs and openly talked with women so that some of the people, even his disciples, criticized him, as in the case of the woman at the well and Mary Magdalene. Now, even today, they would be embarrassed to talk to a woman publicly, openly. Jesus wasn't embarrassed. No, he wasn't. He wasn't intimidated by him. Um, Dr. Simmons translated uh, Luke and Acts. Of course, they were both written by the same person. And um, in the Passion Translation from the Aram Aramaic languages, and he said this in his commentary, to travel with a rabbi was considered a high honor, yet it was not permitted in the culture and time of Jesus' ministry for a woman to be mentioned by a rabbi. Jesus elevated women into a place of honor and respect in spite of the cultural limitations. It was these wealthy women who provided for Jesus' care. Luke is one gospel writer who brings out the many times Jesus honored women. Yes, yes. The gospel of Luke. So at the Lord's Supper, there's only men present. No woman was invited to attend. They were isolated. However, <laughs> when the church was established in the upper room, they were invited to participate. And the work of Calvary had been completed. Yes. I remember when we were in Israel and we were up in the upper room and yes. that man got filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. And he was a religious man. Didn't know anything about God. And, and my husband just zeroed in on him to get him filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, women were not excluded after Pentecost. No. After, after Jesus had ascended to heaven. <clears throat> so there they are. They're following him. The majority had, had deserted him at Calvary. But the women stayed diligent. They didn't go anywhere. They knew he was the only one that could give them well, hope. He appeared to them first. Yes, he did. Isn't yes, that amazing? Well, it's because of their hearts. They were just open. Yes. They had no place else to go. And so there was not a single woman involved in the betrayal, sham, trial, or crucifixion, yet they were present from the cradle to the cross. Yes. They never left. Men, including the high priest and those inspired by Satan, put Jesus on the cross. But they knew, the women knew, that's where our hope comes. We cannot let go of that. They had experienced the love of their father, God. Even the wife of Pilate begged her husband, don't have anything to do with this just man. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, I think about that and, you know, women who just kept on staying faithful to the Lord. Um, the women were quick to obey the word. When, when they showed up at the grave and the angels were there once again, and they said, well, why are you weeping? He's not here. <laughs> he's not here. Go, go tell his disciples he's risen from the dead. 
someone says a woman can't tell. Well, Jesus said, go tell. Yes. And we're going to tell throughout all eternity. He's alive. He's right, alive. Right. He's alive. They were the first evangelists. They were the first evangelists. And they, they carried the torch, as it were, back to the disciples. And um, Jesus appeared to them and said, don't be afraid. Go tell my dis- brethren to go to Galilee, and there you'll see me in Matthew 28. So they might have thought that they could silence the women, but uh-uh. They had, they'd been set free. They had experienced the love of God. And the command of the master had overcome any doubt and fear that they had. Wow. That the religious system would have put upon them. So the birth of the early church had men and women both in attendance. And they were welcomed. Before that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. But after Calvary, they were welcomed. Now, there are some people that believe Mary Magdalene is valued as the apostle to the apostles because she's the one that told them. It's not written in scripture that she was an apostle. But there are portions of the world today that believe she had an apostolic ministry. And um, it's interesting because she never left his side. Once she got delivered from those seven devils, she never left him. She never left him. Even in death, she stayed there with him. And she was the one that received the good word to go tell. So I, I, I cannot verify it because it's not in the Bible. But let me tell you something. She paid a price. Yes, no For doubt. that unction and that anointing. And there's no telling because it, you can say what you want to. We know that the word of God is perfect. But it doesn't. it was still compiled by people that were very, um, a lot of it was compiled by people that were very, Oriented towards their own culture, so there's there could have been things with women. Well, there's we many argue. things that were done that were not recorded because yeah. the world could not contain it all the books. Couldn't contain, right? And <clears throat> doesn't devalue what we have as the word of Absolutely. God, but it doesn't mean Absolutely. that there were women that God used in a powerful way. Yes, that we just don't have record of. That's right. So under the old covenant, they weren't allowed to have anything to do with the actual ministration of the Lord inside the tabernacle. They were separated. Because the curse was in effect. But after the Savior came and the Holy Spirit was given, spiritual conditions changed. There was a shift in the heavens. Right. The curse was all dealt with. Every ramification of the curse was, was gone. dealt it with. It was obliterated. Yes, at the cross. And once again, the women were privileged to be by their husband's sides. All of the works of the enemy had been undone. Wow. And it's our choice to receive the, the information that we need to be fully persuaded. That's why I wrote this book. Is I don't want any woman to believe a lie from the pit of hell yes. that you're inferior, that you cannot minister, that you, you have to be quiet. And, and if we have time, we'll get into those passages. But God has a plan. Yes, yes. And throughout the New Testament, God began to call women in the Bible to preeminence. Um, I like what he says. Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to yes. the poor. Anybody that's used by God better be anointed by God. Yes, yes. And if you're anointed by God, man might try to put you in the dungeon, 
But, you, but his but, grace will But his grace sufficient. Will, is sufficient. It's the root yes. to enable you to stand. And men will come to realize you got the goods. Amen. So Jesus said, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So we get to a wonderful time. Well, what about Paul? Oh, I love that man. He loved women. Yes, and I want to talk more about that. That's a, that's a subject that I want to really okay. del- delve into okay. on our next one. Okay. But um, what I'd like to do at this point, because we only have a few minutes left, is I want to pray for women. Yes. And I want to encourage women. You know, Frida, when I saw uh, when, when uh, Donald Trump was brought into office and... Um, Right after his inauguration, the very next day, we had the women's liberation, uh, yes. which is, you know, and I'm all for women having equal rights. That's that's not what I'm talking about here. But a lot of what was pretty much 99% of everything that was spewed out of that was hate. Yes. And it's not what I live by. It's not what I believe Christian women live by. Jesus paid a price. We're, we're yes. equal as far as he's concerned. Absolutely. And I'm all for women having the right to make the same kind of money and, you know, not That's having right. any kind of discrimination. That's right. But what we saw in that march was antichrist. That's right. What we saw was what the enemy does with women and perverts them. That's right. What we see with that movement is a, a movement to hate men. That's right. And to usurp authority, authority in a, in a very perverted way. It's not. Yes. It, it, they're not representing me, Frida. Me either. They're not me representing either. me. But when with watching that, instead of I, I didn't feel anger, I felt. Uh, a great intercession hit my heart like it's time for the women of God yes to stand up in this nation yes and and show show the women the younger women what true liberty looks yes. like yes yes what true freedom looks like yes that God has called us to be women in Zion to be Joan of Arts to yes. be Deborah's to be Hannah's to, yes. to lay between the porch and the altar and pray and intercede yes. until God begins to move in our families and in yes. our societies and our nations our cities that's what God's calling us to and I believe there's a movement and I, it's going to probably be several movements of righteous women yes. that God is bringing up and he's praying women women that love the Bible women that love their children women yes. that love their husbands women yes. that love marriage yes. women that take Teach the Bible principles. Women that will lay and pray for hours and seek God and read His Word. That's what God is raising up, Freedom. That Amen. is the call. That's why this book is so important, a woman God can use. Because you have so many reference points, uh, biblical reference points, and then historical reference points of women that gave their hearts in totality. Literally, they gave their life, their physical life, their spiritual life, their ambitions. Everything was committed to That's God. Right. In total, in total right. surrender. Yes. And there is a call for women to totally surrender, for a call for righteous women to let our voices be known. We have a voice, and we have a voice that God wants us to reverberate his, his purpose, his plan for this nation. We are called to get in our prayer closets and pray until things come into order. We're to be JL and to literally take a, a, a peg, a, a tent. Yeah 
tent, peg. a tent peg and and put it in the head of the enemy that's yes. trying to destroy our families and our children and 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 to begin to pray for women to go yes. into every sphere of society i spent time this week talking to one of my well I actually talked to all of my children but my three girls um, you know there is such an assignment on women to to make everything about uh, beauty and sex and sexuality and being sexy and being and there's nothing wrong with being beautiful but our goal ladies is not to be sexy no our goal is to be godly Amen. our goal is to be beautiful in the sight of the lord our goal is to speak and to preach the words of jesus our goal is to pray until we see christ formed in our children and in our churches our our goal should be to be walking a in wherever God has placed us. Amen. And um, I just want to begin to believe God, and I just declare over us that we're going to have a hunger for God in such a way. And, yes. Lord, I just thank you for yes. Frida. Yes. I thank you for the years of ministry and faithfulness and holiness and righteousness that this amazing one of, woman of God has lived and portrayed and walked out. I thank you for her daughter, Paige, and what she's go you're going to do through her and have done through her and the legacy that will go through this family alone. I just declare and prophesy that every woman listening will have such a desire to just get private with God, just like the madam, what was that last did When everything came against her, yes. her husband didn't love her, her mother-in-law hated her, her children showed her disdain, but she prayed yes. until Christ was formed in her yes. and she became a religious uh, icon to all of France. Yes. Joan of Arc, knowing that her assignment was just for a short period of time, that she would never be allowed to have marry or have children, That's right. but gave herself yes. to the call that God had on her. And I just encourage you, give. it's not too late, ladies. That's you right. may say, Pastor Callie, I've been divorced, or Pastor Callie, I've made terrible mistakes. There is nothing that you've done that the blood of Jesus cannot totally redeem in your Amen. life. Today can be the beginning of the rest of your life. Listen, forget the past. Paul said, forget the past. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Let's forget the past. Let's learn from the past. Yes. But forget the past and let's press toward the mark of the high calling, knowing that God is going to use us and allow us to be everything he's called us to be. I love you so much. I honor you. I honor you, Frida. I honor you for, for all that you've done, for what you continue to do. Uh, they pastor a church in Cleveland, Texas. If you're listening and you're anywhere near Cleveland, this is the church, the Liberty Christian Center. Liberty Church. Li Liberty Church. Yeah. Um, pastor Frida and Bob, uh, Pastor Bob and Frida White, and then their daughter Paige. Uh, they just an amazing church. Uh, Frida's got a bunch of different books. If you need someone to come and preach and teach to your women, she's an amazing pastor's wife and would be a real voice of encouragement. We love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week. A woman God can use, and we're, we're going to keep doing it. We've got several more weeks of this series, and I'm excited to have you a part of it. God bless you. We love you. For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.